podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are F1 is back. Alonso is confident, but who's going to be his teammate? AlphaTauri's for sale, and then it's not. A big appointment for the F1 Academy, and when F1 and football collide. Goodman, and you're listening to the fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Brian Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Once a week, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. I'm your host, James McKenzie, and I, of course, have my good friends Sam and Abby with me. Sam, how's it going? It's all good. Thank you, James. It's all good. How's it going your end? Fine, thanks. Yeah, not too bad. How about you, Abby? I'm all good, thank you. I'm looking forward to recording this show with you guys because it is race week again. Well, yes. Thank you for leading me in very neatly to my first point. Uh, yeah, last week we started with F1 being back on track, but now it's properly back. That's right. Winter is officially over, even if it is currently minus one here in Paris, because this weekend it's the 2023 Bahrain Grand Prix. Practice gets underway on Friday at 11.30 GMT. Qualifying is at 3 on Saturday and the race is at 3, of course, on Sunday. Are you guys excited? I am, I am. I'm not going to get to watch much of the weekend. Uh, if you listen to our uh, our prediction show, you'll know that I have a stag do this weekend. But I will uh, be keeping a track of everything and I will watch the race in full. So, yeah, hungover race watch for me. I hope it's not too... Uh, too dull because there is no doubt that I will fall asleep if that's the case. <laughs> well, I definitely won't be hungover this weekend, but I am excited. I'm a little bit nervous about it. It is the first race. Don't really know what's going to happen, obviously, because it's F1, but it just feels good to have the sport back and F2 and F3 as well this weekend supporting Formula One. So it will be very busy in terms of motorsport for us all. Yeah, I was going to say, Abby, the reason why you don't have a chance to be hungover is because you're doing all my work for me because I'm away. <laughs> so I'm really sorry about that. That's all right. I don't mind. Yeah, it's it's been a long four months, hasn't it? But uh, like you say, it's not just F1. It's a full card of F1, F2 and F3, all the respective seasons getting underway. Uh, I won't ask what you're expecting to see from F1 because, yeah, we covered that at great length in our prediction show. Make sure to go and check that out if you haven't heard it yet. Uh, Abby has a very interesting prediction on who will be champions this year. Uh, but what are you expecting to see in the junior formulae? Well, I think... F2 in particular is ramping up to be a particularly exciting season when you're looking at the Drivers' Championship. You've got Ateo Porcher, who's coming back. It looked like he might not be racing in F2 this year, but he has, 
you know, he wants to right the wrongs of last year where his title challenge kind of fell away um, heading into the summer break. He was only 21 points behind Drogovic uh, and ended over 100 points behind him after the final four rounds. So he's got a point to prove, uh, certainly. Uh, You've got a couple of guys going into their second years. Ayumu Iwasa performed very, very well. Won Rookie of the Year last year. Uh, And you've also got the likes of Jack Doohan, who very, very quick over one lap. Great qualifier wraps up you know, a few, fair few fastest laps over the race as well. So you've got some real title protagonists. Fred Vesti moving back to Prima. He could be in the mix. And then you've got some really talented rookies moving up from F3 as well. Abby, uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts? I feel like I've covered a lot of the main guys. Anyone else that I've missed? You have. It's, it is difficult because there are so many drivers. And Bruno Michel, he said that this year of F2 is a particularly strong grid, potentially stronger than last year, which is incredible because it is the junior category. Everyone is fighting for their career. They're not just fighting for the championship, they're fighting for their careers. And in F2 and F3, you do see that from all the drivers. But like you said, Sam, there are so many different title contenders in F2 that I think Porsche will put on a good show. But I do think he will definitely have some rivalries. You've got new rookies. You've got drivers who were in F2 last year, switching teams. Like you said, Vesti's now at Prima. Novelak's gone back to Trident. There's so many movements. I mean, Hauger and Daruvla both moving from Prima to MP, who exactly. have two titles to defend. And Hauger most definitely has a point to prove. So Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's all to play for. F2, I think, if you're looking across the, the bill, week in, week out, or 14 weeks out of the 23... F2 is where I'd focus my attention on if you're really looking for some some elbows out racing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's always high quality entertainment in the junior formula. Uh, but we will turn our focus back to F1 for now because there are two big questions heading into the weekend. The first one is obviously who's going to be at the front. And Fernando Alonso seems confident he'll be there or thereabouts. Lots of people have been bigging up the Aston Martin team after pre-season testing. And, well, Fernando doubled down, saying he thought they were even quicker than Ferrari during the tests. He said, on the last test day, for example, we did a race simulation. Then we did 57 laps. The same thing we are going to do this week in Bahrain. We put fuel in for those 57 laps and did the full race with the full setup, even changing tyres. At the same time, Ferrari were doing the same programme as us with the same fuel for the race. Same stops, and we were slightly faster. Now, I'll ask you what you think about that, but I'll just quickly add the second big question into the mix too, because it's also from the Aston Camp, and that is, who's going to be in potentially the second fastest car this weekend? Lance Stroll or Felipe Drogovic? I want to say Drogovic. My heart is saying Drogovic. But if you can put the rightful owner of the seat in the car, if you're Aston Martin, if you're making that decision with your business head, you're going Lance Stroll, aren't you? So we'll have to see because if he has one, potentially two wrist injuries, that's going to be a lot to kind of grapple with over the weekend. So even if he does pass those checks, you know, he's not going to be potentially at, at his best. So you, then you're two drivers who aren't at their best because Alonso himself said that he, he thinks it'll take a few rounds to get up to full speed with that Aston. So yeah. I would like to see Drogovic get the opportunity, but I don't know. It's a it's a real toss up at this stage. It is. Uh, can I just ask? Was grapple a pun for you know grappling with the steering wheel, or was that unintentional? It was unintentional. Um, okay, I'm not that that clever or smart or funny or or anything. Um, 
the poem took a lot lot longer than I can. The poem poem was quite quick, actually, to write, believe it or not. Uh, And what about you, Abby? What do you think? Uh, Both for Who Will Drive and what Fernando said. I think it's good to see Alonso have that confidence in the team. I think that as a driver, you need that to believe that you can do well. I'm not sure they will necessarily be faster than Ferrari this weekend. I think they'll definitely be towards the front of the grid and higher up the midfield than they have been previously. But I don't think they're quite there yet. As Sam said, Alonso has said that it will take a few rounds for the car to unlock the full potential. He said Aston needs some time, but they do look promising. As for his teammate, obviously Aston haven't confirmed it yet. I would like to see Dragovic race in F1, but if Stroll is able to, then Stroll will need to. And yeah, on the race pace thing, I think Ferrari are sandbagging on that run, surely. Red Bull clearly have no interest in doing so. So if your competitors just going, yeah, we're just going to show our pace because what have we got to lose? The target's on our back anyway. Ferrari maybe kind of, you know, playing a little bit of a strategic game, hold a little bit back, make people think that they they haven't quite made those developments so this, over the winter or they've you know, fallen back slightly. It's all a massive psychological game at this point. We all know that testing isn't truly representative once we get to the, the first race. Yeah, definitely. I actually saw on F1.com, there was they did some analysis of the race pace from testing. Now, they had it really different to what people have generally been reading it as. They had at least, it was a bit confusing, to be honest. I'm not going to slag off the article, but it kind of contradicted the graphic it was using. But in the graphic, it had Red Bull at the top, Ferrari 0.16 off, then Mercedes 4 tenths off, then McLaren 0.7 off, and then Aston 0.8, and it had Alpine below Williams and Haas 2.6 seconds off the pace at the bottom, like a second slower than anywhere else. So that's not really what we've been expecting. Uh, I don't think that's what we'll see, personally. But that's the whole, that's whole that's part of the whole mystery of testing, right? Is it's all a big game. You never really completely know what other teams are doing. You know, Haas could have done their race, race simulation in a morning session in blistering heat, higher tire tire deg. They could have been running higher fuel loads than than they would. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that they might have done over those kind of stints to distort where they really are much like we saw with Alpine different thing but I don't think we really saw a representative quick lap from them across the whole three days are they holding something back there surely they are there's all these kind of different factors that you just really don't quite know where you stand so yeah there's there's a good chance that Aston aren't anywhere near as high up as 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 we've come to believe or come to hope um and yeah, Haas, I can't see how they're a second behind everyone else on race pace. So it's all a big unknown. It's all a big unknown, as I said before. It is, because in testing, you never know what other teams are doing. You focus on your own team, your own car, your own drivers. And you can compare, but it's not that realistic in terms of the comparison. And I think with that, I think McLaren will be further back than what you just read out, James. I think, like Sam said, I can't believe Haas are that far off the pace. So we'll just have to wait and see come this weekend. But like Sam said, it is completely unknown territory. Yeah, well, I I think if Aston are near the front, I don't know if they will be. Yeah, like you say, I agree that maybe that's a bit much putting them up as the second fastest team. If there is any point this season 
at which Fernando can actually battle at the front. I mean, one, it would be it would be great to see, but I think it would be very enlightening for some, maybe some of the newer fans. I, I see a lot of people saying that, you know, he's he's so level-headed and whatever else. Like, put him against Max and they, there would be fireworks and their little kind of bromance that they've built in the last couple of years. I think that we could fall apart very quickly if they were actually genuinely battling, uh, you know, at the very front for potentially wins and podiums. You know, if you know all the time you have to leave the space, Max doesn't tend to leave the space, does he? No, he doesn't. That is that is one battle that I would actually love to see this year because it would be so entertaining to watch. And I couldn't call who would come out on top out of those two. I think if Max thought he had it bad with Lewis, and Lewis got his elbows out, and Lewis was a prickly figure at times. Oh boy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really don't think he's quite anticipated what it'd be like to be in that battle. So, yeah, it'd be great to see, but I just those to get those kind of gains over one winter, particularly looking at how far back they came from at the start of last year. I just I don't, I don't see how how we get that fight sustained across the twenty three race calendar. Now, a big rumour that emerged at the weekend was a potential sale of Alpha Tauri. After the death of Dietrich Mateschitz last year, the new Red Bull management have apparently been sizing up their investments and were believed to have determined that the results and the marketing value of the team don't justify the costs. There was talk of a move to England that could potentially lower the costs, but sales seemed more likely, with three potential buyers interested in a takeover. Andretti, high-tech GP, and an Indian billionaire who owns the Mumbai Falcons racing team. However, team principal Franz Tost put out a statement statement yesterday saying I had some very good meetings with Oliver Mintzlaff who confirmed that the shareholders will not sell Scuderia Alpha Tauri and that Red Bull will continue supporting the team in the future. All these rumours have no foundation and the team has to remain focused for the start of the season to perform better than last year. So what do you guys think? Do you buy that statement or do you think this is something that might rumble on for a while? I think for Franz Torsten and Alpha Tauri it was needed for him to say that. I think obviously in F1, you're going to get lots of speculation and rumours and no one outside of the sport like fans and that will ever really know what's going on behind closed doors. But Alpha, I can see where the rumours came from because Alpha Tauri last year, they didn't have a particularly good season. They finished ninth on the grid and I think they earned like $100 million less than Red Bull. So from yeah. like the cost efficiency perspective, I can see why there would be rumours about selling Alpha Tauri if they're not going to move to England. But with the potential buyers, especially Andretti and Hitech as well, I can't see them buying AlphaTauri if it was up for sale. I know they've put bids in to become another team on the grid, but I don't see them buying AlphaTauri, in my view. I don't buy the statement. It's the common sense PR play. You're not going to come out and go, yeah, we're considering it because that drives the price down, first and foremost. Secondly, that's just, he doesn't seek to gain anything from doing that. You do seek to gain by quashing those rumours, at least until you're in a position when you're ready to start looking at those options. And they may well be doing that already behind closed doors, which is where you get the names like Hitech, Andretti, Mumbai Falcons. So, you know, it's a statement. It's one statement. and I find it fascinating how many people have been like, oh, well, that's that then. That rumour's over. 
No, not necessarily. It's just how how often do we see an owner, a, a team principal, a driver? Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm staying put in football. You know, no, I'm not I'm not handing a transfer request in. A week later, off they go. So yeah, you just I don't think you can really put much into that statement. I personally, and this is where I differ from you, Happy, can see the benefits for both high tech and an addressee in buying the team as opposed to being a new outfit because you know that 600 million that has been quoted that the teams want to raise the anti-dilution fee to yes AlphaTauri will cost considerably more than that to buy but you're not handing that money out to competitors and you're you're buying assets already yes they're in Italy and you know the UK so for Andretti not great but high tech for example have long standing links to Red Bull. They field a lot of their academy drivers. Oliver Oakes, the team principal of Hitech himself, was a in the Red Bull Junior program back when he was a driver. So there is a lot of things there that I think make it a a, a path of least resistance for particularly Hitech. And also Andresi are going to be interested because they're so desperate to be on the grid and they're coming up against so much resistance from the existing teams. Yeah, no, totally. I, I think that's it. Six hundred million to get into the sport is literally nothing. You, you're getting nothing for it. You're just giving that money away, like you say, to the other teams. And yeah, it will be more expensive, but the amount of stuff they're getting, it's incomparable. So I, th- I think it does make sense. Uh, and yeah, like yeah, going back to what you said on, you know, how many statements get put out in football, we would see it in F1 as well. I mean, like Benotto, I think Ferrari made a statement saying he was staying put and then a matter of days or maybe weeks at most later, it was Benotto out, Vassar in. Uh, obviously all the stuff last year with Alpine and Red Bull, the cost cap statement. <laughs> there are always statements saying nothing's happening and then it normally is. In fact, I'm waiting for Marco to tweet something like, I understand that without our agreement, Alpha Tauri have put out a press release late this afternoon saying that we will be keeping ownership of the team next year. Uh, we will not be owning Alpha Tauri next year, whatever the fiasco was. I, but I, Abby, I, I completely see your point and I can see that the more romantic and the preferred surely from just a, if cost has come into it, is to start your own team, right? Plus, it adds an 11th team to the grid. Fans would love that. So, yeah, I hope that that's the way that Andretti get into sport. I hope that's the way Heitzig get into sport. We're allowed 12 teams. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see. So, seemingly, no change in management over at AlphaTauri, for the moment, at least. But we do have a new managing director of the F1 Academy, Abby, and it's a familiar name. It is. Susie Wolfe has been appointed the Managing Director of the F1 Academy, the all-female feeder series, which is a very positive move. Obviously, Susie was a development driver for Williams and she was the former team principal of Venturi in Formula E. She has the experience within the motorsport industry. She's also the wife of Toto Wolf. But speaking on it, she has said that the F1 Academy presents an opportunity to promote genuine change in our industry. And this is a big step in her career because it can help inspire women around the world to follow their dreams and realise that with talent, passion and determination, there is no limit to what they can achieve. And Stefano Dominicali has expressed his faith in Wolf's experience as well and her first-hand knowledge of the sport and that together they are committed to maximising the opportunities for everyone involved. So it is great to see 
Susie Wolf become the managing director. It's another step in building the F1 Academy, making the progress that it needs. And it's just generally exciting for motorsport fans, I think. Yeah, I don't think there could have been a better appointment, personally. I mean, like you say, she's a former test driver in F1. Uh, she's a former CEO in Formula E. Uh, she had a quite extensive racing career before. And yeah, to put that kind of woman in charge of the future of female motorsport, I think, yeah, I think it's fantastic. Unsurprisingly, I completely agree. Uh, yeah, I was quite disappointed when Susie Wolf wasn't in the running or, well, didn't get the Williams team principal role. I thought she would have been the perfect appointment and I thought it would have been a really um, big a watershed moment for the sport. But this is a great move for both Susie Wolf and F1 Academy for all the reasons that you two have already listed. So, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing where that category takes opportunities for for young female representation in, in motorsport. And I think it will be a real asset to the Formula One family. Yeah, so with the F1 Academy, it does kick off at the end of April. They The first race is in Spielberg, Austria. Uh, they have the seven rounds, which we have mentioned in the previous show. But also with the F1 Academy, as well as appointing Susie Wolf, they have announced a new driver, Lola Lovinfoss, for Campus Racing. So the grid is definitely building up. There are still some drivers yet to be announced. But I think they've got seven or eight drivers confirmed so far, including previous W Series drivers with Nerea Marti and Abby Pulling. So the F1 Academy is definitely underway. And earlier in the show, we did speak about football. And now to bring football back to the conversation, despite me not being that much big of a fan of it. Sam, over to you. Thanks very much. We don't we don't just have one football-related news story. We actually have two, uh, believe it or not. For a motorsport podcast, I feel totally out of my comfort zone. And I actually do like football. Um, <laughs> so as an Arsenal fan, it brings me great joy to deliver the news that... F1 has entered a 15-year-long strategic partnership with Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, obviously, most of you will know, even if you're not avid football fans, that that is the North London rivalry, North London derby between the two teams. So anyway, my preferences aside, what this means is that there will be an indoor karting facility built beneath Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And this is the start of, as I said, a strategic partnership between both F1 and Tottenham to help the next generation of drivers. And it, alongside this initiative, sustainability and diversity will also be central to those goals. So as reported in the press release, the high-tech in-stadium facility will be one the only one of its kind in Europe, and it will open later in this year with separate tracks for both adults and children, both accredited by the National Karting Association. There is a potential that this uh, layout will be a venue for future national casting championship races, which obviously will then see the future, future stars of F1, hopefully racing underneath the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So yeah, it's it's an exciting and un, an unusual move. Um, F1 CEO Stefano De Benicali believes that this is a big step in making F1 a much more accessible sport. And Partnering with brands like Tottenham Hotspur helps take F1 and motorsport to a new level with a much more diverse audience. So, yeah, there's some really positive um, steps coming out from both F1 
and Tottenham. Uh, credits to them where credit is due. Guys, what's your thoughts? Are you gonna are you gonna you know? I was gonna go say go down to North London, but given that you're in Essex Abbey and you're in Paris, James. Um, <laughs> And I'm in South London. Uh, none of us will be doing that. But would you go? Would you? Would you book a book a race there? Uh, yeah, I mean it. It sounds like a pretty cool place to to go karting, and it's been far too long since I've I've been go karting. Uh, but just uh, one thing I thought was quite interesting. Did you know this isn't the, t- the first time Spurs and F1 have crossed parts? So Spurs had their uh, I their own team. <laughs> Well, I'm going to tell you anyway, for the sake of the listener, in case they don't know. Spurs had their own team in the Super League formula, which ran from 2008 to 2010. They won three races and scored more points in the series than any other team. I was going to say, nice of them to win something. Oh, there, there we go. There's the Arsenal fan <laughs> in him coming out. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, there, there have been plenty of other yeah collaborations, I guess, between F1 and football in, in various ways. You had Chelsea were famously sponsored Salba. Uh, I think it was about 2012. Yeah. And there and was Leeds a, United. A, <laughs> Leeds United, say, Leeds United yeah. famously didn't sponsor BAR in 1999. <laughs> yeah. uh, as I much as Sam might have thought they did. <laughs> I don't know where I got that from. They did though, uh, or there was rather, uh, a partnership between Renault and La Liga in 2018 as well. And then most recently, Alpine uh, announced Zinedine Zidane as their official ambassador. So, no, not the first and potentially not the last. But moving on to football teams that actually do win, there's news on the front (laughs) for Liverpool and Liberty Media. So it's been reported that Liberty Media are considering entering the bidding for a minority stake in Liverpool FC. So Liverpool's current owners, the Fenway Sports Group, are looking to welcome major media companies for minority stake investment in the club to, well, an injection of cash uh, into the into the team, and Liberty Media have emerged as a contender as they look to potentially expand their sporting empire. So Liberty Media, as we know, purchased F1 in 2017. They also own Sirius XM Radio as part of their empire and the Atlanta Braves Major League Baseball team. So. Yeah, it's not unheard of for them to be branching out into different sports. Some really interesting, and I'm going to use business jargon, and James is going to hate it, synergies potentially oh. there for Formula One if they were to enter into the bidding race to buy a minority stake in Liverpool. Well, I can say as a Liverpool fan that we haven't won a lot this year, uh, going back to your oh, segue. Yeah, you're a Liverpool uh, fan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we we are rubbish right now. Yeah, you're midfield. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway. anyway, let's let's not talk about that uh, because we're a motorsport podcast, not because we're uh, <laughs> not because Liverpool are painful to talk about or anything. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's it's all good stuff. It shows, if nothing else, I think uh, the way that F one has grown in recent years, and uh, I think it's only a good thing to be kind of evolved with such big names. What do you think, Abby? I was going to say, I think it's just a testament to how much F1 has increased in popularity, like you said, James. And having them associated with Tottenham Hotspur and Liverpool, they are big names within the sports world. And it's all positive all around, I think. I think I'll definitely be going to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium to see the car track. 
I think not only is it great for those who do karting and want to progress into motorsport as a career, but also just for a fun day out for fans of it as well. And having it in the stadium will obviously bring football fans to F1 as well. I think it's particularly promising when you look at it you know, there's clearly a wider tapestry here of F1 making a concerted effort to expand their reach and provide more interactive, accessible options for fans so they can get more of a taste of what it's like to be in the sport that they, they follow and they love. So, yeah, the F1 arcade has been, has, has been a, a great success in its short existence, as well as this new venture with Tottenham. So, yeah, really positive things there uh, for the sport and... Yeah, you can't really fault it, I don't think, in that sense. Absolutely. Hard to disagree with any of that. Uh, yeah, apart from Liverpool being any good this year. But on that bombshell, uh, I think we'll have to call it a day. Thank you for listening. Be sure to head over to FormulaNerds.com and all the Formula Nerds socials to find out the latest on these and any other stories. We'll be back this weekend with the Cut to the Race podcast for the first race review of the year. I can't wait to get back reviewing national anthems and uh, I guess some racing too, maybe with you guys. But until then, Sam, Abby, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. I'm, I'm disappointed, Abby. I was hoping you'd have a poem. Yeah, come on. Where's this uh, published poetry to sign us off with? Over there, out of reach. In, too in far lieu away. of national oh, anthems. What a shame. <laughs> we review a poem. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this weekend. Tune Maybe. in to find out. Okay, well then, I guess for now at least, uh, it'll be just lights out, mics off, and away we go until this weekend with the poetry. Bye, guys. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go. Podcast Network.